This is the Retire Happy Podcast with John Amarino, teaching you each episode about holistic retirement planning. It's another edition of the Retire Happy Podcast. Walter Storholt here alongside San Diego's premier holistic retirement advisor, John Amarino. John, you ready for another great episode of the show? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm really excited for this uh, this segment of the shows. A little bit of a new format. We talked about it a little bit on the last show. If you heard at the end, we were introducing this. But we've got kind of some new podcast plans for 2020. So, John, you want to give people kind of a, an overview of some of the tweaks and changes we're looking to make and, and how we're pivoting our focus a little bit here? Well, Walter, last year we recorded a promo CD for our client referrals. And if you recall, we discussed three fundamental areas of planning. And while we were preparing for that recording, I was teaching a couple of retirement classes where the attendees really reinforced the point I was making on the CD. Far too often, I am talking with pre-retirees and retirees who not have fundamentally sound income plans. They have too much risk in their portfolios when they should be taking on given their time horizon and their personal situations too much risk that they can't actually stomach based on their own risk tolerance. And last but not least, they're not paying attention at all or do not know the ramifications of taxes and retirement, specifically when it comes to marginal tax traps. So now you know the passion for my teaching. I want the listeners of this podcast to take away good information every time they tune in so beginning this month, we will have one podcast dedicated to whatever we refer on the promo CD as the Roadmap for Retirement Success and Happiness. I like that. The Roadmap for Retirement Success and Happiness. We're going to be uncovering that roadmap. Now, you actually have another visionary project coming along with the uh, the game board diagram. Can you tell us more about yeah. that, too? Well, actually, I just thought, as, as you said that, I would, you need to make a jingle for that. <laughs> for the what, the game board diagram or the uh, retirement no, success the, and happiness? Yeah, that'd be a nice little jingle. The um, road map oh, no. for retirement success and happiness. It does kind of have there a little, uh, not that I'm good at singing at all, but it does kind of have a little retirement success and happiness. It's got a little something there. Yeah, we'll work on it. Hey, you use your clout. <laughs> just have Garth Brooks. We've got a few musicians on the podcast staff, so I will. Uh, I can always see what kind of uh, what opportunities there may be. Jingles are hard, though. By the way, not to get all, far off track. Jingles are you got to to make them not so goofy. You've got to they take some skill. So when you get a good jingle, <laughs> that's rare to find. Many jingles are big failures. So anyway, nice. Si- nice. side note. Back to the game board diagram, though. Yeah. So yeah, I do have a visionary project and it's not really coming along walter i'm still in the visionary stage um one area that is not my strong suit is creativity and graphic design so they'll take some time but uh yeah we'll see well give us give us an idea of the concept you have us intrigued enough so you, you we, we kind of dropped it out there we've got to give a little something because i think it's interesting i'm a board game fan so is, is that what we're talking about here yeah, so it's not really a board game. It'll more more or less be a, a PDF um, kind of concept on the board game, and and it's it's based on the children's game Shoots and Ladders. So, okay. Okay. a few months ago, Jake and I were playing an intense game of Shoot and Ladders. Now, ask any of my friends, my family. You know, we all love playing games. My wife, Jake, and I, but no game goes just for fun. My family, we all have competitive burning spirits. So, spoiler alert: he beat me. I wasn't happy, but as I was losing, I noticed a few things were happening. See, Jake would always land on the spots that gave him those shortcut ladders up to the next level. 
or he would draw that favorable card that, you know, wouldn't let him skip up to the next level. And all his moves were making his climbs to the top towards the end more efficient. While poor little me, I would land on a spot that would shoot me down a level or I'd draw a card that would slide me back down the, the board. So as I was getting my butt kicked, I had the visual epiphany while playing, you know, this game with my six-year-old. And really in retirement, we can make many moves that make our retirement plan more efficient and give us a higher probability of success at winning the retirement game. And what is winning the retirement game? Well, that is simply having peace of mind that you will not outlive your money and you will live the retirement you choose to live, not forced to live. Where on the flip side, we can also make bad decisions coupled with bad life events like a market recession where we lose a third to 50% of our life savings, a long-term care event or a death of a spouse. You know, these unfortunate events are what I would be equivalent to hitting that shoot or drawing that bad card that life dealt you. And either way, your, your path to retirement, success and happiness will be much harder and more stressful. And that's something I don't want to see. So, you know, the two most common retirement concerns I hear are number one, I don't want to outlive my money. And number two, I just want peace of mind. I just simply want to know that, you know, my spouse and I will be okay. So that's what the retirement roadmap success portion of this prod podcast is all about. We're putting together a retirement plan and I will give you the highest probability of success in winning the retirement game. And each month we will talk about one planning topic that is vital to retirees. I like the concept and the idea, and uh, sounds pretty good to me, John. So for this first topic, I know that you have chosen what you would call the foundation of a fundamentally sound retirement plan, and that is income planning. Let's get into why that's just so important. Well, because income is the outcome. So let me repeat that. Income is the outcome. If you're building a house, the most important part of that house is making sure you have laid the proper foundation. And when it comes to retirement planning, that is what income planning is. It is the foundation of your success, right? You don't pay your bills with your assets. You don't live off of your assets. You pay your bills and you, you live off income. So a lot has changed since your parents' and grandparents' retirements. Pensions are going by the wayside. Baby boomers are truly the first generation to fully fund and live off their own assets. And really, this scares a lot of new retirees because for the last 30 to 40 years, their peace of mind has come in the form of a paycheck. And for the majority of Americans, that's now gone. They are now living off their life savings and they're spending down from their, their savings. And that is foreign to them. And it, quite frankly, it scares a lot of people. So... We design our plans with a solid foundation that maximizes retirement income for both spouses and provides the greatest probability of success. And that means a well thought out and calculated social security maximization plan. And this is an area where I see a lot of people fail to properly address. And this is the first area we will address. This is an area where I feel people get either bad advice, no advice, or just want that retirement paycheck so bad that they make decisions that over the long term may be, may prove to be costly. And what a lot of people fail to understand is this. 
Social security is expensive money. So what do I mean by that? Social security is an income stream that is there no matter what the market does. It's an income stream that could pay out in excess of over $1 million during the life of a retired couple. Yes, Social Security does come with its government funding issues, right? I think we're all acutely aware of that. But it's not going anywhere and has quickly become one of the largest assets for the vast majority of people. And Walter, did I mention, it's an income stream. What do you pay the bills with? And what do you live off Income. (laughs) Right? There's your pop quiz for the day. Very good. Income, right? I pass. Your income. Yet most people probably spend more time and energy planning their summer vacation than planning a sound social security claiming strategy. So recently I had a lady come into my office and during the discovery, I learned she was being advised to take social security early and delay distributions from her tax deferred account. Now she also believed taxes would be higher in the future and wanted to perform Roth conversions and her advisor told her to claim early. So as our planning continued over the next couple of re- you know, meetings, she realized the bad advice she was getting. And our analysis told her, listen, delay Social Security. And by doing that, she actually would increase her sustainable income by over 45% from what she was currently planning on doing. And let's not forget, that's an income stream that would pay her no matter what the market does. Now, some people would say that, what if Social Security no longer exists? I briefly mentioned this earlier. And quite frankly, I don't think that would happen, at least for the boomer generation and you know Gen Xers. And if it did, I believe the markets would also be in serious trouble too, right? If we cut Medicare and Social Security and you know probably raise taxes, the markets would go haywire. So it would be a lose-lose for everybody. I do think there will be cuts. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't plan on maximizing your Social Security even with those cuts because your cuts are still going to be on a bigger amount than the cuts to the smaller amount. So going back to this uh, female, her original plan, right? If she continued on her original plan of delaying the distributions from her accounts and claiming Social Security early, she would actually be increasing her RMDs and her subsequent tax bills, especially if taxes went up in the future. Not only that, but she's missing out on the opportunity to actually take out those distributions at lower tax rates because she hadn't claimed Social Security. And then she said she was actually going to delay her taking out the money from those assets because that's what she was going to do, Roth conversions. And she didn't realize that once you claim Social Security, you hamper your ability to perform Roth conversions in the most tax-efficient manner. And why is that? Because Social Security is a marginal tax trap. The more income you make, the more you subject your Social Security to being taxed. And what happens when you perform a Roth conversion? You increase your income, and it's a snowball effect. So you have a sound Social Security strategy. Do you have any other predictable or sustainable income streams like a pension? Now, if the answer to that is yes, how much is that pension? So what you need to understand is now your income gap. And the way you find out your income gap is how much in sustainable income do you are you receiving from your Social Security and pension? 
and you subtract that from your monthly expenses, your budget. And if you are in a negative, you have you have an income gap. So let's say you need eighty thousand dollars a year and your social security covers forty thousand, that means you have a forty thousand dollar year income gap. So the next thing once you've identified your income gap, you need to understand withdrawal rates. Now, the 4% rule has been a common rule since the 1990s. But if you're looking at a 30 plus year retirement, studies have shown that since 2013, the studies have has basically said you have a 57% chance of running out of money if you use the 4% rule. And uh, various Studies have said that safer withdrawal rates in today's environments are between two to three percent. So you need to understand this because I have seen way too many people who are taking out way too much money. We're talking six to seven percent withdrawal rates. And their argument is that they are traveling while they're young. So their expenses should go down as they're older. Unfortunately, studies have shown that while that is true, travel expenses are often replaced with medical expenses later on. So let's give you an example of what what a withdrawal rate is. So using our $40,000 a year income gap, if we identify that $40,000 a year income gap and we are using the 4% rule, you would easily just do this. You would take $40,000 divided by 4% and that's going to give you 1 million. So adhering to the 4% rule means that if you want to take out $40,000 a year, you must have at least $1 million in investable assets. Now, if you use $40,000 using the 3% rule, that goes up to $1.3 million. And if you went with the much safer withdrawal rate, a $40,000 a year income would mean $2 million. So that's a, a pretty big difference, right, Walter? Significant, yeah. But you have to be conservative, folks. When you're when you're doing this, you want to be conservative because I think we all agree that it's better to die with money than live without, right, Walter? Absolutely. That's a, a decent rule to live by. Right. So what do we do for this gap? And and this really kind of you know comes to the crux of the planning. Well, in our office, we develop income plans that give our clients the most income while utilizing the least amount of principal and reducing their investment risk. Now, we will also, we will invest our income money completely different from our growth money. Please understand this. Your income money has to be invested differently. You can't afford the risk of your livelihood being adversely affected by major market losses, right? If if you're following the 4% rule and you're invested in gr- aggressively, and you're three or four years into retirement and all of a sudden you lose 35, 40% of the market, you're down to about a half a million dollars or, you know, around there. Now, if you're still taking out $40,000, now you're taking out 8% withdrawal rate. So that's going to affect your life, right? You're going to have to, you're going to have to cut costs to make your retirement be able to withstand the losses you've had and to be able to withstand the longevity of, you know, however long you have left. So you have to be aware that your income should be conservatively invested. And there are three phases of what we call the money cycle that must be adhered to. So the first phase is accumulation. And this is really your working years. And this is where you're saving or accumulating your retirement nest egg. 
The second phase is preservation. And this is really for pre-retirees that are five years out of retirement. Or if you are now retired and you don't have preservation in your plan, you must start reducing your investment risk and begin preserving a portion of, of your principal, right? And then the last phase is distribution. And this is where you're going to really turn your assets into income. Now, unfortunately, many people we talk to skip the preservation phase and go straight to distribution while keeping aggressive portfolios. And that's what they've been told. But they don't realize that preservation, that second phase, is the actual key. It's the segue to the distribution. And this is vital, folks. What's different about your assets in the distribution or retirement phase of your life versus the work and accumulation years? is that your livelihood depends on your decision-making. Bad investment decisions can cripple your retirement plan. Now, when you work, you had a paycheck, and that was your peace of mind. Now, for most Americans, it's spending down from your life savings is where they're getting their retirement income. So you have to understand that you cannot take major market risks while drawing income. So again. The big takeaway here is income is the outcome. So when we're looking at income, we use the bucket approach. And we're going to talk about the soon bucket in this podcast. And this is really money that we're going to look at for a next one to 10 year period. And, and any income during that time period is going to be allocated from the soon bucket. And the soon bucket will not only include income, but it's going to also include Roth conversions or required minimum distributions if you're nearing that age. So the soon bucket, this money should be conservatively invested because we don't want to expose you to sequence risk, which is big markets, big market losses coupled with distributions, which exaggerate those market losses and begin that devastating snowball effect. So what are our sources that could go in the soon bucket? Well, let's talk about what we often see for sources of income. Number one, REITs. These have, you have to understand they have, they do carry high risk. If the REIT is not a good REIT, you could lose all your principal. A lot of people had this happen in 2008. But the major, major thing with REITs is they're highly illiquid. I have clients that are stuck in REITs. They don't like them. They don't want them, but they're stuck with them. And if we were to get them out of them, they would literally lose 30% of their accumulation that they have in it right now. So that's one source. I would not allocate money in the soon bucket into a REIT. The second source is a dividend portfolio. This still has some high risk to it. And... I do see dividend portfolios if you're going from a securities-based mindset as being better than bond ladders given today's low interest rate environment. But you, you do have to understand that there is no safe stock. Dividend portfolios tend to be safer than a traditional stock investment, but they do carry their own degree of high risk to them. So you have to understand what is what happens if dividends aren't paid out, what happens if that actual investment drops in value? What what will happen to your income? Bond ladders or CDs ladders, right? These have traditionally been your low risk, but 
in today's low interest rate environment, you have more risk than in the past. And most economists like Roger Ebitson are warning against bond ladders for income because of the duration risk associated with bonds. And that is what if interest rates, which are, you know, at historically low rates right now, what if interest rates go up, your bond values are going to go down and that will lead to duration risk. So that, while it used to carry a lower amount of risk in the past, doesn't always have that today. The next area is real estate. So this is lower risk. You know, you have a lot of people that have rentals and and they feel comfortable with them. And and I encourage people, okay, you know, let's keep that in your portfolio. Let's utilize it. You know, and I would say that's lower risk than some of the other options out there. As long as you have good tenants and nothing goes wrong with your property, right? You have that perfect tenant, right, Walter? Well, it makes it easy when you've got good right. tenants. You know, it can be more labor intensive that, you know, if you're trying to do this on your own to save money and you get that midnight call that, you know, the toilet's overflowing or, you know, there's mold in the wall, then you have to deal with that unless you have the property manager. And, uh, you know, of course, then you're going to have to pay them. Another good positive, though, about real estate income is you do also receive some tax preferential there. So real estate income is another way to draw income in retirement. Then you have your just traditional uh, assets under management. And that is you just have investments, you know, ETFs or mutual funds, whatever they are, and you're managing their assets and you're just drawing from those assets. So again, if this is in the soon bucket, this money that you have allocated for this really should be conservative or moderate conservative to avoid the exposure to sequence risk. And you have to remember, this is not growth money. This is short time horizon income money. So, you know, you can have your assets under management and draw down from there. Then the last thing we're going to talk about is annuities, right? I think uh, the only thing more polarizing than today's politics is annuities, right? This is really the uh, the politics of the financial world. And you have to understand that there's several different annuities out there. There's SPIAs, fixed annuities, fixed index annuities, variable annuities, you know, and people get inundated with all sorts of ads, you know, I rather go to hell than buy an annuity. And it wasn't too long ago that I was asked by a new client if I liked annuities. And my response was this, annuities are great for some and not for others. I don't really, I, I don't have an opinion on an annuity as to whether I love it or hate it. Annuities can be very powerful for some and not appropriate for others. There is no cookie cutter approach. It's a financial vehicle that has its pros and cons. Now, I'm not a fan of variable annuities. And here's why. They don't offer principal protection. You know, and I think people get confused because they buy a rider that guarantees returns, but they don't understand that returns is on the income portion, not your principal. And this is really one of the biggest misconceptions I see. You will ebb and flow with that market. And if the market drops, so will your principal. You know, why is that important? Well, it could affect your death benefit. It could affect your surrender value. If you no longer wanted this and you wanted perhaps to to replace it with a fixed index annuity, you may not be able to because your principal is so low. 
The other thing I don't, not a fan of variable annuities is they're extremely expensive. And I truly, you know, I've only had in five, the last five years, one person truly understand all of the costs that are involved in a variable annuity. You have the, the mortality and administrative costs, the rider fees, the sub account fees. Most people will only take into account the rider fees and, and that's it. So it's really a culture shock when people find out what they're really paying for the variable annuity. So, you know, I mentioned earlier that uh, I do think annuities are great for some. And, you know, the next question is, if I did recommend annuity, what would that typically be? And I typically gravitate towards fixed index annuities. I agree with Michael Kitsis, who is one of the most well-respected retirement planners in the industry. He's along the same lines. He's not an annuity fan or an annuity hater, but he says this, an annuity may be appropriate for those who want or need income and want that income to be as high as possible on a guaranteed basis. Also, he says it's good for those investors who want capital appreciation without risk in principle, right? Those clients that want to participate in market growth without market losses. So those are his thoughts. Another reason why I like fixed index annuities is, especially for income, is they offer higher withdrawal rates typically than the 4% rule. Now, I say typically because a lot of variables go into that, the age of in which, of which you're turning on that income stream, whether it's going to be paid out over a single or both spouse lives. So those are the variables that go into your withdrawal rate. But Dr. David Babel of the famed Warren School of Finance did a study during the 2007 bull market that stated you could develop an income stream with 30 to 40% less assets using a fixed index annuity versus securities. And in my own experience, where I analyze the annuity versus assets under management using compound growth calculators and withdrawal rates for planning, I absolutely concur with that study. And I show the math and science behind the fixed index annuity as a safe withdrawal or a safe income stream. But I will say this, annuities are not for everybody. There is no silver bullet. Fixed index annuities have costs. They have surrender charges. You must be aware of all of that. You have to understand they are long-term investment vehicles. You need to understand what you are investing in before you sign on the dotted line. Make sure it's right for you. Make sure it solves your concerns and matches your long-term goals. So in our office, if we feel it's appropriate, we'll utilize the fixed index annuity in three different ways. Number one, we'll utilize it for conservative investors who want to participate in market growth without market risk. Be a better alternative to bonds or CDs. And we'll, we'll typically try to get fixed index annuities with 0% fees. So, you know, you're not being charged any rider fees there. The second one is another one where we're going to go for no rider fee. So we're going to, we're going to try to get this as a, a 0% fee or maybe a half a percent fee fixed index annuity, but we're going to actually only use the income stream for a 10 to 13 year period. And the reason why we'll do this is there's a couple of reasons. Number one, some people don't want to be married for life to an insurance company. So 
this would be a good option because you're basically just going to draw down from this annuity over a 10 or 13 year period. Also, it requires less money than an annuity that would generate a lifetime income. So let's say you needed, uh, you know, $20,000 a year or $200,000 over the next 10 years, you would only have to use a $200,000 fixed index annuity to achieve this. But by drawing down from the annuity, you eliminate your exposure to sequence risk because your principal is protected. You're, you're contractually guaranteed by the insurance company not to lose your principal. So if you're drawing down over that 10 or 13 year period from this annuity, you don't have sequence risk. Whereas you can't say that if you're drawing down from your assets center management, you know, during that time period, you're going to have market losses. And then lastly, you have those that want what we call income allocation. They want their own personal pensions and uh, they want to replicate what they've been used to in their working years. And so they just solve their income for life and they either attach increasing income to keep up with inflation or they take level income streams for life and they hedge inflation through their investments. But what typically these clients like is they have to use less money to achieve this versus an asset under management or a dividend portfolio to generate income. And it gives them that predictable and sustainable income stream that every month they get a check in the mail from the insurance company, much like the paychecks they receive while working. So I think for a lot of people psychologically, that gives them that conformity that they're used to. So that's income, folks. And uh, next time we will discuss the investment portion of uh, of our planning and how that correlates to the later bucket. Awesome. So it's kind of step one of that really important income planning conversation in the books. And so again, we've looked at kind of short term, you know, now money or soon money on today's show. Now we're going to look at later next time around on the podcast and discuss investments and some of the things that come along with that. John, a lot of moving parts in this episode, but there's so much ground to cover on this topic. And I just will reiterate one more time the uh, great little phrase you quipped there a couple of times, income is the outcome. And that's definitely the, uh, the little nugget to walk away with from today's show. So if you've got anything that is on your mind or questions that have popped up from our conversation today and from the great information that John has had, you want to get more details on anything we've discussed, you can always reach out by going to gosecurus.com. That's gosecurus.com. Or by calling 858-935-6210. That's 858-935-6210. If you want to talk with San Diego's premier holistic retirement advisor, John Amarino. And we'll put the phone number and the uh, link to the website in the description of today's show. So if you're listening to us on a podcasting app, just check the description or the uh, show notes for today's program, and you'll be led in the right direction from there. John, thanks for the help on this uh, edition of the podcast, and we'll look forward to another good show next time. Absolutely. Take care, Walter. Enjoyed it. That's John Amarino, Walter Storholt here with you. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time on the Retire Happy Podcast. Podcast. 
Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM, a registered investment advisor. BCM and Securus Financial are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents. The opinions expressed by John Amarino and guests on this radio show are their own and are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. Any strategies mentioned may not be suitable for everyone. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Before acting on any information mentioned, please consult with a qualified tax or investment advisor to determine if it is suitable for your specific situation. This program is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with regard to subject covered.